Bristol Rovers Fans Podcast. So, Steve, thanks for joining me. How are you, mate? Yeah, yeah, very well, thank you. Very busy, but um, yeah, just uh, a relaxing night in talking to you now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably probably much better things you could be doing than sat chatting to me, but um, yeah, thanks for joining me. Um, it's probably been a while since most Rovers fans have heard from you. Um, what are you up to these days? Uh, well, at the moment, I, um, I'm building an extension at my house, which is uh, very time-consuming and especially with the wife on the case. It's uh, very hard work. But um, yeah, I've got a building company now. Um, a little a little company. There's only three of us and we use five subcontractors. But um, yeah, into construction now and, and, and the building services. Ace. Lots of um, footballers talk about when they're playing, having a plan once they retire. Is that is this what you always sort of wanted to do after playing football? Did you want um, to stay in the game or, or did you have like a set plan? Uh, I didn't. I didn't really have a set plan. Um, I knew that I wanted to do something after football, whether that was stay in the game or get a trade and go out working. Obviously, I'd love to have earned that millions of pounds a year and just retired. But um, I did quite well, and um, I probably could have just stopped and done nothing because um, I, I earned a few properties and my pension was pretty good through the PFA. So um, I spent three months at home after I finished, retired, and um, I went into a bit of coaching at Cheltenham, but um, I just felt it wasn't for me, really. It was still time-consuming, you know, um, very time-consuming. As a player, you, you turn up and uh, you train and you go home, you relax, and the only thing you really got to worry about is the, um, the game on a Saturday and staying fit, but the coaching side of it is pretty intense it's 24 7 365 days a year and um i just thought you know what i've had 20 20 years of it and i just want just want a break from it a clean break so um i looked at something new um got involved with a friend of mine in the in the building game and uh it went from there really well it's, it's, it's interesting you say that it's more of a 24-hour job um like at cheltenham you were you were assistant coach or assistant manager is that right yeah, assistant manager to uh, Russ Milton. Yeah, when um, Paul Buckle um, got sacked. So um, yeah, we had eleven games in charge there. Yeah, and it was it was what was it like that challenge? Was it was it more um, more difficult uh, than you thought it would be going into it? Um, I enjoyed it. To be fair, it was it was I enjoyed the challenge, but um, I mean the club was in the position we were in. Um, he left us in a pretty pretty bad state. Um, and we had to try and get players in. We were working 24-7 to try and get players in on loan and try and strengthen the squad and try and try and get the squad up to a, a standard that could compete. But um, unfortunately, we didn't have enough time and, and, we, and we got relegated, which was probably a bitter experience, really, for me. Um, and um, after that, um, Gary Johnson took over in the summer and uh, I came in for a bit, a bit of coaching with Gary on the on the coaching staff, and um, obviously then he brought his own staff in. So um, that that was it. My time at Cheltenham. Okay, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. Is it something you'd like to go back into at some point? Um, I'm, you know what? I'm not really sure. I've sort of I've sort of left football behind me now. Um, like I said, I'm really I'm really busy at the moment. I'm really enjoying this side of things, but. Um, I mean, football is a very fickle industry. I mean, you could, if if I got a manager's job somewhere, you probably, what would you get? Eighteen months contract, 
18 months in the job and then you're sacked you're looking for a new job it's very it's a very fickle industry and um i just think is that for me the upheaval of the family everywhere and i'm settled in bristol and i just think do you know what the the unless you're top level top level manager or a coach it is hard work and uh it is um it's not something that interests me really now okay yeah so like you say it is quite short term with you know the turnaround of managers especially these days um I guess you say what you're looking is for something a bit more sustainable and you've got that now in, in your building company and, and what you're doing now. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Yeah. We've, we've got a young family. I try for another baby. Um, so, you know, I'm settled in Bristol and I'm happy and everything's good, good at the moment. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy in life at the moment. Yeah. Too right. Why change it then? Yeah. It sounds like uh, you've got it sorted out, Steve. Um, I suppose let's start by talking a little bit about how you came to Rovers and then we'll sort of move on to some of the highlights of your time at, at the Mem. Um, yeah. So you came to Rovers from Blackpool. Yeah, that's right. Start of the 2004-05 season. So so how did that move come about and why did you choose to, to move down south? Um, I'd, I'd been on loan at Blackpool um, late part of 2003 uh, from Derby. Um, George Burley had just come in as manager at Derby and um, I'd just come back from injury so he said to me look go out get some games get some game time under your belt get your fitness up um, and I, I enjoyed Blackpool immensely I mean I enjoyed being part of the first team again enjoyed being an important member of a squad um, not just a young kid in a, in a Premier League team or a championship team I was um, I was an important member of a first team squad and um I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Blackpool, and funnily enough, we'd gone on a we'd gone on an LDV Vans Cup run, um, and my loan would run out just before the final. So I said, "Look, can I can I move permanently? I'm enjoying my time here. I'm playing football. We've got to this final. It'd be my first time playing in a final of any sort." Um, and they said, "Derby said no." So I sort of I sort of forced the issue really. Um, and uh, anyway, I ended up signing for Steve McMahon at Blackpool for the remainder of the season. And um, he said to me, um, you might be getting the Oldham job at the end of the season, so don't sign any longer for <laughs> Blackpool. Um, and I'll take you to Oldham. Um, but as it happened, he didn't get the Oldham job due to compensation reasons or something with Blackpool, uh, what Oldham weren't willing to pay. Um, and then Colin Hendry took over at Blackpool and um, he offered me a year's contract. Um, and I had chats with Rovers at the time, Ian Atkins. And um, they offered me a three-year deal. Um, and I came down, had a look. And um, he showed me plans on the wall back then of the redevelopment of the Memorial Stadium. So that's <laughs> how long that's been going on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had a chat with Ian Atkins. And I knew a few of the lads already from my youth team days at Derby who were signing, like Stuart Campbell. Um, Craig Disley so um, I knew a few of the lads already uh, and I thought do you know what he's he's getting a few good players down here something could happen so yeah plus a three year deal the security was there so it was a, a no brainer really Yeah and I suppose like you've been playing for Derby and Blackpool those are sort of um, well Blackpool's not quite so close to Derby but moving down south was that a, was that a tough decision for you at the time in terms of relocating um, 
not really. It, it also, when I look back, it seems like a bit of destiny or fate, whatever you like to call it, really, because I was just um, splitting up with my ex-missus at the time. So get, getting away was a um, perfect scenario for me. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a no-brainer. I just thought, you know what, I want to go and play football. It was a step down again. I'd been playing the championship. Then that season went to League One. And Rovers, obviously, were in League Two. So it was literally a case of going from the championship to League Two in in space of a few months, really. But um, it didn't phase me. Um, I just wanted to go out and play football, and uh, money was never an issue with me any time in my career. So stepping down was not a problem. I just wanted to play. So yeah, and like you say, games are important at that time in your career. And jumping between Derby and Blackpool, you never—I suppose—you never really got that consistent run. Um, but you, you did play at Wembley, didn't you, in that final? Did you get to play it in that cup final? Uh, at Blackpool? Yes. Uh, yeah, I played in the final. It was at the Millennium Stadium. I think Wembley was being built then. But um, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I played in the final. Yeah, and we beat Southend 2 0. So yeah, it was, uh, it was a good season. Yeah, so, so that, that experience, I guess, then helped you in the two big uh, the big finals that Rovers played in in uh, the later years. You were used to playing in sort of that that sort of size stadium and crowd. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think well, I played when I played for Derby. I think we played seventy two games. I think fifty of them in the Premiership. So yeah, it was a good experience and played at some big grounds. Old Trafford, seventy thousand, um, Liverpool, Anfield, um, one now. So yeah, my my experience in the in the big games was uh, there when I signed for Rovers. Yeah. Yeah, so the, well, on the flip side of the coin, then coming down to Rovers and, like you say, stepping down those levels uh, from the Championship, then down to League One and League Two. What was it like, sort of? I, I know, I know, you said it didn't didn't phase you too much, but um, was it was it a different kind of experience playing in front of those smaller crowds and 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 as um, a like, yeah, different experience. But I mean, it's a lot more intimate and it's a lot more. Do you know, it, it didn't phase me at all. Looking back, I just my main focus was just to play football. I wanted to be able to look back on my career and say, "Look, I've had a good career. I played for five hundred games, and um, I didn't. I didn't want to be part of a squad where I was getting five, ten, fifteen games a season. So, yeah, it, it was a different experience. I mean, yeah, there was not as many people there, but the, the principles were still the same. Just going out and playing football—that's that's all I wanted to do. Yeah, well, that's true. I guess so. Yeah, coming to Rovers, new kid on the block. Who was who was in the squad? Who sort of put their arm around you and sort of helped you integrate in that first season? Uh, well, I think there was eleven new players. You know, that season, if I remember. So we were all pretty new. But um, one thing that I did realize straight away is that what good lads they were, and um, uh, we all bonded really quickly. Um, and we all live within a stone's throw of each other on Emerson's Green. Um, most of us were single, so we used to go out and socialise together and we'd be around one of those flats. So there was a lot of players in that squad who were new that season. So it was just a case of we all, we all just seemed to get on and bond really quickly. It worked out quite well then. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say anyone put their arm around me. I think Junior Agogo, he was there um, the season before. Um, and but I think there was a big clear out that year, so um, there was a lot of players. Oh, 
um, Christian Edwards was a good lad. He um, he helped me along, showed me the showed me the stadium training ground and that. Um, so yeah, Swanee as we used to call him was a good lad, and he was a yeah he, he helped us all. I think. So was was Trollope there at the time as a player? What was that a yeah. bit before he, yeah, he was Troll, there? Troll signed that season as well. Yeah, so so what I was mean, that like? Yeah, I, I, I was an apprentice at Derby when Trolls was a pro there, so I knew Trolls anyway um, <laughs> before um, before we got to Bristol Rovers. But yeah, that, he was fine. He was just one of the lads. Like he was ultra professional, like ultra professional. Um, I think he lived over in Swindon though with his family, so. You want, you want, um, and obviously he was a bit of an older pro, so he didn't, um, he didn't socialise in the sort of the young group, if you know what I mean. But um, we all looked up to him because he was such a good professional. Yeah. So I guess when he sort of took over as manager, that was almost seamless. Then in that he was already a, a model pro, and you all looked up to him, as you say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They say a good manager is ones who lead by example, and he sh- he set the example as a player. Like he'd, he'd be in before everybody doing his stretches and warm-ups while he was a player. So, yeah, and when he got the job, you know, um, after the sort of... I mean, I, I liked Ian Atkins. I got on with him really well, and he, I think he liked me. But um, some of his tactics, maybe, in training sessions weren't like ideal for the lads. Um, so it was sort of... I wouldn't say the shit was rocking, because we were quite a tight-knit unit, but he was sort of losing the dressing room a bit. Yeah, um, and when Trolls took over, I think there was a feeling of, look, he's a new manager, he's a young English manager, he's, he's one of our mates, basically, he's one of our teammates. Let's try and do well for him, and um, get him a get him a foot on the ladder. So I think that was a general feeling when Trolls took over. So I think it upped everybody's performance and everybody's standards then lifted because of Trolls' standards. So yeah, it was a good move by Bristol Rovers. I think that it was a it was a gamble, but you know what, it paid off, didn't it? So. Yeah, massively. To do so, yeah, that season was was something special, really, wasn't it? That six seven season, um, a number of reasons, not just because of the the promotion at the end, but the JPT final and just the general mood. Like, especially given that summer, the the boardroom had a bit of a split, and directors leaving the club, and the general mood at the club was quite flat and subdued, and we'd had a couple of mid table finishes. So I think like that season was special because it sort of brought the club together. Did you did you guys sort of feel that in the dressing room as well? Oh yeah, most definitely. I think um one of the things I took from that season was how the fans connected with the players. Like, yeah. And you know like when I was a kid I had my heroes at Derby. Like I was a Derby fan and I had my heroes then. And um and that was players who just gave hundred percent and they were good and the team was winning and, and, and successful and I think all the lads most of the lads had a real connection with the fans and I think that helps massively to get the fans behind the team um, and that season especially we could really feel that sort of connection with the fans and you cross that white line to go out and play and you're playing for yourself you're playing for your teammates but you're playing for the fans as well and, and I'll tell you what when when the Memorial Stadium was rocking, especially on a night game or a derby, like when we played Swindon at home, you, you think, yeah, it's fantastic atmosphere. Yeah, no better place to be. I mean, from a fan's point of view, I, I definitely get what you mean. When when the Mem is rocking, it's rocking. And um, I wouldn't want to be an opposition player when coming to the Mem on some Tuesday nights, I tell you. Yeah, um, yeah. 
So, so what is it like going from like, like you say, you had your heroes at Derby. What's it like to then almost be someone's hero, like to little kids looking up to you? And um, as an example, as being big Steve Elliott at the back and, you know, bit of a cult yeah. hero at the time. I mean, you don't, you don't set out to, to do that. I mean, um, you set out to play football and try and perform every week. And obviously it's just um, realising that obviously you're doing a good job at what you do because the fans are singing your name and, and the kids are singing your name and all the swearing and that, which was, which was quite cringy when I saw like eight year olds singing it at the front of the Blackthorn M. But that infamous chant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't think there's yeah. been a chant quite so um, quite so uh, passionate as that chant uh, since she left, Steve, to be honest. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, mate. It was brilliant. Looking back, you know, when you look back on your career when you're retired, you just remember those memories and all those fun times. And uh, yeah, it was brilliant. I'm glad I had that connection with the fans because some players probably never get a chant and some players never have a connection with a, a set of supporters. And um, it was just it was fantastic that I did. And I'm, I'm pretty proud of that, to be fair. Yeah, and so you should be. Um, that season was it was quite a bit of a, a change at the back. We brought in Ryan Green, Byron Anthony, Steve Phillips. Did that change things up for you that season? Was it was it very much a different back line that year? I think. Yeah, but um, what I would say is that the training we did. Um, I mean, it was repetitive, but it was working. I mean, we we worked on the back four relentlessly every every single day, and. Um, changing the personnel around so if we had a man sent off if someone went off injured we changed the personnel around so all bases were covered regarding anyone who played along that back four um so it was um it was a case of anything happened there was just someone would come in and slip in know exactly what they're doing and i think um was it, was it that season where we had a record clean sheets i think it was 24 clean sheets was it something like that that season over over 20 clean sheets um which was which was fantastic and testament to the work we were doing on the training pitch. Yeah, well, I guess clean sheets don't get looked at as often as, you know, goal-scoring records for strikers. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that, that's a huge achievement, especially in a league like League Two, where it's, it is very, very competitive with the three teams going up and the... Uh, sorry, the four teams going up and the two teams yeah. going down. Um, yeah. It is a vicious league. So, yeah, to keep that many clean sheets is very impressive. Yeah, um, I mean, over half the games we played in the league were clean sheets. So, it's... You know, I mean, yeah, like you say, most people overlook that fact, but as a centre-half, you don't. You know I mean? Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's another stat that I'm proud of. And so Steve Phillips, I know he is, because uh, obviously he's a goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was It was just a, yeah, it was a fantastic season all round. Yeah, it was, it was quite a slow season, generally, until up about March time. I think we were still 13th, 14th at the time. Yeah. And there was about... I can't remember if it's 11 or 12 games to go. And I remember saying we probably need eight or nine wins from the last 12 if we're going to make the playoffs. And miraculously, we did do that. Um, what sort of, you know, started that run? And when did the boys start to sort of, you know, believe it was achievable? Yeah, I think it was the final. Um, well, I know it was the final when we lost to Doncaster in the um, JPT. Um, I think the lads had a sense then of, do you know what? I want a fancy a bit more of that. I mean, the 40,000 gas heads there and the atmosphere was incredible. Um, and I just sensed on the coach on the way home that we weren't really deflated. It was a sense of, we want a bit more of that. So if we 
knuckle down, you know, we could we could have a bit more. And um, that's when we went on the run after that game. I think we played, I think we might have played Wickham away the game after and I scored the winner, a 1-0 win away, headed from a corner. And that's when the run started then. And um, obviously, the rest is history, but what a fantastic running that was. Yeah. And when those runs sort of start, is it, is it difficult to maintain them or is it just pure momentum? It sort of carries you through. Obviously there's a lot yeah. of hard work that goes into it, but you, you get what I'm trying to say. Is it, is it, is it literally result, one result at a time or is it a wave of momentum? Yeah. It's, it's hard to put your finger on, but you feel it. Um, we just knew we were going to win. We had goals in the team. Um, defensively, we were quite good. Um, and I don't know what clicks really, it's really hard to put your finger on why it happens. And it's probably the only time in my career that it has happened where you've been on such a run that um, you just totally believe that you're not going to lose. Um, and it, it is, it is a weird, it is a weird feeling really, because obviously it don't happen to everyone all the time. And um, unless you're playing like for Man City or whoever, you, you have that feeling, but, for us, like you say, 13th in the league, 14th in the league, to go on that run, it, it was just momentum and we were scoring goals at the right times and games, um, getting a bit of luck here and there and you just get that feeling that it could happen. The longer it goes on, it could happen. And um, yeah, there were some fantastic games in there. I mean, um, and some some great wins as well. Yeah, yeah. The one that sticks out for me is obviously that Hartlepool game, the last game of the yeah. season. Um the team just were unstoppable at that point. I mean, after the Swindon win the game before, to yeah. then go to that game, Hartlepool flying high in the league. I think yeah. they were at the time. Didn't I think they were champions, weren't they? I can't remember. Uh, no, um, did yeah, they finish second? Go back, go back to the Swindon game, but like goals like that, what Ricky Lambert scored, um, they just threw you with confidence. You think, I mean, I think he scored from 40 yards out right, in the top bin and um, win 1-0 and you just think, yeah, this could happen. Then, we went on to the Hartlepool game and they needed to win. Um, they needed to win to be champions um, and Warsaw needed to lose, I think. It was between them and Warsaw. And um, yeah, we just went there and we were 1-0 down at half-time. And I think, well, I know we, we needed to match Stockport's result or better to get in the playoffs. And I remember we went in 1-0 down at half-time and I remember sitting in the dressing room and thinking, wow, these are going for champions. They're, they're a really good team. I mean, they were a really, really good team at the time. And um, I just thought we need something here. We need it. We need something special and uh, it's got to happen. And um, Lenny came in and said, I didn't want to tell you this, but Stockport are 4-0 up. And we were like, uh, so he said, you've just got to go out there and win. Win this game. I don't care how you do it. don't care. Where people play, you've got to go out and win this game. And we went out second half and we went out all guns blazing. I think there was times when we were on the break and me and Byron would look at each other and just say, you go. And one of us would just go and get into the attack, involved in the attack as well for a cross or whatever. And there'd be one of us sprinting up and down, back. And um, it was just a crazy game, really. And then, obviously, we got the penalty, which um, Diz got. And uh, Walks dispatched it. And then I think there was only four minutes to go when, was it Greener or Sammy Igo put a cross in for Lambo to head the winner? Yeah, it was brilliant. And then you think, after that, you think, yeah, this is it. We're in the playoffs. We're going, we're doing it. We're, 
we've got every chance now and uh, yeah, onto the playoffs. Yeah, cracking. So the playoffs themselves, I guess at that point, red hot favourites to, to, to win the thing because they always say the momentum side going into the playoffs is often the one that, that comes away and wins it. Um, and that, that first Lincoln game was was what I would probably describe as just a solid home performance in a, in a playoff semi. But the away game was just crazy. What, what yeah, was it like playing in that 5-3? It was just an insane result, 5-3 away. It was. Um, the, we, we were 2-1 up from the first leg and um, going to Lincoln. And I think they've been in the playoffs for the last six years on the trot and lost or lost in the final or lost in the semis. And um, that got played on a little bit. Um, 2-1 up. Keep it safe. If we get an early goal, they'll they'll start shaking. And the start, we had to go 2-0 up within, well, Stuart Campbell's first goal of the season. Like I watch it back now and sometimes I text him out of the blue, just what a goal. That was his only goal, I think, for Bristol Rovers in his whole career there. I think it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, what a, what a time to score his only goal and what a goal it was. So, yeah, Cap, Skip got that goal and um, then obviously Walks tapped in and Lambeau scored. And we scored pretty early. I think two or three goals really early in the game, which we knew then. We knew we were at Wembley, really. Yeah, and I guess when you got that sort of confidence, the rest of the goals were sort of just no pressure on the boys to to play. And the goals, I remember looking back, and those goals are just so relaxed and full of from a team that are just full of confidence. And you yeah. could see that in the team. It really was um, terrific, terrific away away performance in the in the playoffs. So then the big one, I guess, Wembley. Um, you're no stranger to big finals. That I think that was is that your third big final in two years? Uh, or, yeah, well, I know it was a bit was, before yeah. that, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so what was Trolls saying before in the changing room before that game? Then what, what was he sort of saying to you to sort of get you in the right mindset for a game like that? I won't be able to remember. I think he was just telling us just to carry on, carry on what we're doing. Um, yeah, I think it was just a case of carry on what we're doing and believe believe in yourself and. You, 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 some of you will get this chance once in your career, and don't let it slip, and and all things like that. And you know, we went out and we did it. We did it in the JPT final as well. We conceded early on, really early on. And I think we were saying, look, just keep it solid, like you know, calm the crowd down, get the game without get into your game, get into your flow, and then just carry on doing what you you've been doing for the last sort of two two three months. So. And we did it again. We went one 0 down after three minutes. Yeah, I, I, I remember the um, the Johnson's Paint Trophy game was like sixty seconds, and we were one 0 down. And then yeah, yeah. the Wembley final, it was something like two minutes, I think, and we were one 0 down. And then a yeah. couple of years ago, when Daryl Clark got us to the playoff final, we went one 0 down in another sixty seconds. And it was, yeah, I remember at the time just thinking, yeah. what what are we doing? We do this every final. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so, what's it like as, as like a centre back seeing seeing your team? go down one nil early is that frustrating for you as part of the defensive unit yeah obviously yeah frustrating I mean last thing you probably say when you go out is keep it tight and you know but um, it happens that's what happens in football sometimes so you've got to deal with it but um, I, I just remember thinking okay we're one nil down but we're going to win like we're not going to lose so we've just got we've just got to wait patiently and, and the goals will come and and they did, but there was never a sense for me. And I don't think any of the team ever thought for one minute, even one nil down, that we were going to lose that final. 
and I, I go back to that feeling of you just know you're going to win. So I didn't really, I don't think it phased us. I think, you know, I just thought, right, okay, we're one nil down. We've got to score two at least. So um, that's not a problem. We'd scored, what was it, in the playoffs? Um, seven goals in the two playoff legs. So, um, yeah, when you look back, the playoffs and the final, we scored 10 goals in three games. So if you're scoring 10 goals in three games, you're not, you're not going to lose a game really. So we, yeah, we, there was, there was always a feeling that we were going to win that game. And it was a strange feeling to have looking back, but um, yeah, um, obviously the rest of history, two good yeah. from walks and the, and the iconic goal from Sammy Igo. Yeah, well, he certainly uh, he certainly earned his wage that day with all the running he did, and then to somehow find that energy in the ninety ninety first ninety second minute, crazy! Is um, yeah. that was some moment, and that will definitely live on in history and Rovers folklore. Um, yeah. So, full time whistle goes. What was what was what was that like being on the pitch at Wembley and being promoted, and the scenes that followed in lifting the trophy? Oh, fantastic! I think as soon as that goal went in by by Sammy, I, that was it. We knew, obviously. We, it was, I think, 91 minutes up or whatever it was, 90 minutes, and we were there then. And the final whistle went. Just celebration, really. I mean, you just you can't really explain it unless you're in that moment that it's just like relief. That whole season's work has paid off. And um, and to see the 40,000 fans just go wild was brilliant. And the, the team celebration, all the lads together, and then um, waiting to go up Wembley Steps to collect your medal and the trophy was like a fantastic experience obviously the final we did win with Blackpool was at Millennium Stadium so it wasn't quite that boyhood dream moment where you dream of walking up the steps at Wembley and lifting the trophy but this time obviously it was and um, yeah it's memories that I treasure forever Um, yeah yeah when I look back on them they were fantastic memories I think the best time of my career was probably Obviously, playing for my boyhood team, Derby, who I supported as a kid, but my best playing time was at Rovers. The, the, the most fun I've had and the most success. So, yeah, looking back at my career at Rovers was very fond memories. Obviously, you were a sort of an icon at Rovers. The, the Was it five or six seasons you spent here? Um, you were A lot of us felt very much that you were at your peak when, when you left the club, and it was definitely a surprise a surprise to a lot of us that, that you did leave. Um, what was the sort of situation around you leaving the club? Um, I think I picked up a bit of an injury um, early on in the season, but I was back fit. And I remember, and there's lots of rumours going about, and I've spoke to people before, why did you leave? Why did you do that? And all that. And um, the, the story and what happened was I got pulled in at Christmas by Trolls and he said, look, we want to offer you another deal. But obviously, it won't be on as much money because I need to improve the squad uh, in League One. Um, but um, we want to offer you another deal uh, at the end of the season. And I said, yeah, I'm happy with that. Do you know what? Like, um, that's, that's fine. I'm happy here. Um, yeah, that's that's fine. And, and we left it at that. And then the end of the season came and he, came and he said, um, uh, me and Lenny are going to take the squad in a different direction. We're going to get younger players in. And um, obviously, um, you're not in our plans, uh, which was disappointing. Um, I didn't want to leave, but um, I shook his hand and said, "Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I respect your decision. That's he's the you're, you're the manager of the football club. Like you've got to take it 
where you want to want to take it. You can't. There's no sentiment in football. Um, so yeah, it was disappointing. Very disappointed. But um, that was the that was the way it was. And um, I have no hard feelings towards trolls. That was he was the manager. So um, it, was, it was my time was up at Rovers. Yeah, and it was it was a sad day to see you leave. And obviously, I think we went down the season after, um, back down to League Two. So a lot of us did yeah. feel, I think, at the time, had we kept you, and you know, you know, a lot of the old guard left that season. Like Hints uh, left, Lescott left. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we definitely did seem to suffer from that. Um, yeah, but let's let's yeah. talk a little bit more about the positives, the players who you played with. Obviously, I have to talk about Ricky Lambert um, and what he went on to do. Did did you guys sort of get a sense that he was going to go on to be sort of a, a player who could play for Liverpool and then eventually England? Or was no, it just no. you, he didn't sort of give that vibe off? Get no, that vibe no. off him? We knew he was a good player. He had a great touch and it, the goals he scored in training and the games, you could tell he was a, a, a good player. He had a hell of a strike on him. He scored all sorts of goals, free kicks, headers. Um, he was a big presence. But um, to foresee that he'd go on and play for England and Liverpool and, and Southampton and, and do do what he did, you'd probably you'd probably say no. But fair play to him. I think um, I think his goals got him the moves, and um, that's what strikers do. So yeah, fair play to him. So what do you miss most about playing football? I suppose the, I suppose the games and the the atmosphere and the, and the fans and. Not really, but I don't really miss it to be honest with you. I think I had a, I had a decent career. I'd, I'd done everything I wanted to do, and by the end, my body was saying, "Look, you've had enough." So, yeah, so, um, yeah. I think my my body was just saying, "Look, you've had enough." So, um, yeah, my time was up, and I, I was happy with my career. So, yeah, I don't I don't really miss it at all to be honest with you. Well, obviously, I, I saw you at the Rovers a, a couple of weeks ago, and that's when I sort of approached you to ask if you wanted to come have a chat. Um, so, you, do you go out and still watch a lot of games then? Um, not probably, no, not really. I mean, um, I'm so busy, and like weekend time now is with the family, so I don't, I don't really go and watch too much football now. I've, to, I've sort of left it behind me, really. Um, I know there's a lot of players who who miss it badly. And they're always looking to fill that void in their life. Um, but I've sort of left it behind now. It was, I did it. I, I played. I had a good career. And that's in the past now. So I'm just looking forward. But uh, yeah, I've, I'm not really too interested in going to watch it. I, like, I enjoy playing it. But, you know, I, I watch the old game on the television. But yeah, I don't, I don't miss it too much. Okay. Yeah. So... What's next for Steve Elliott then? When's when's retirement for you then, mate? When's what's the plan and when when are you uh, when are you going to kick back and enjoy the fruits of your labour? Well, plan is I was going to work till thirty five, but then I got really bored because <laughs> um, there's no one to play golf with at thirty five. You can't re- you can't retire at thirty five and go and play golf on your own. So um, yeah, I'm working now, but my plan is fifty. I've got sort of little portfolio of properties and. Um, doing some properties up so yeah I think 50 is a decent age but I don't think I'll ever retire because my wife wants another baby and I'm 40 now so um I'll be an old man a really old man before I can kick back I think <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, I really appreciate you 
sitting down and chat with me, Steve. It's very interesting talking about all those highs and lows and those great memories and great times. And um, it's nice. I think, like you said, when we when I bumped into you, it's nice to reminisce about the good times and uh, yeah, yeah, back on your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks so much. No worries. Um, hopefully, see you again another game soon. Yep. No, but if not, all the best. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I'll be down there soon. Yeah. No problem. We hope you're enjoying Gascast this season. Um, we've put a lot of efforts into improving both the quality and the quantity of the pod in general. Um, if you do enjoy listening, we'd be really grateful if you could nominate us for the Football Blogging Awards. Um, they're an annual awards uh, to all content across all platforms uh, for both podcasts, blogs, um, basically the sort of stuff that we've been trying to do. Um, and we're, we're going to try and get ourselves a nomination in the podcasting category. Uh, and if you could help us do that, we'd be really grateful. All you have to do is go to www.footballbloggingawards.co.uk. We've put a link in our bio on Twitter. Um, follow the link and type in GasCast into the category for Best Podcast. Uh, you don't need to enter in, into any of the other fields uh, if you don't want to. Um, and you don't need to enter an email or any personal information so you won't get any spam from uh, any third parties. Um, and we'd be really grateful. Thanks, guys. Bristol Rovers fans podcast.